Hello there, I'm Alyssa Olenek, scientist, exercise enthusiast, weightlifter, outdoors lover, and entrepreneur. I believe that the extremes in the fitness and wellness industries are leaving way too many of us out of the conversation, not telling us the knowledge that we actually need to succeed in our health, our wellness, our nutrition, and quite frankly, our lives. They end up giving us black and white polarizing messages that leave us more confused than giving us the answers that we need. Through my 10 years of studying exercise science, metabolism, and female physiology, as well as exploring the outdoors and being a fitness athlete myself, I'm here to bring to you the conversations that need to be had in an industry that often is too far focused on extremes. So if you join me on this podcast, I truly believe that life is best lived in the messy middle. Hello there, everybody, and welcome back to the Messy Middle Podcast slash Dockless Fitness YouTube. If you are listening on your favorite podcast platform or the YouTube, make sure you hit subscribe. And if you can either like and comment or leave a review, that helps me a ton. So let's dive into today's uh, topic here in the podcast. Now, this is a popular topic, so I'm going to give the disclaimer that I'm not shooting shots here at anybody. I'm not out here to get anyone. But I think it's something that's important to talk about in the context of exercise recovery, and that is our beautiful and beloved cold exposure. So everybody's doing it, right? Everybody's doing cold exposure, cold water immersion, cold showers, all the cold things. We are we are tough as nails now um, doing the hard thing. And so while I do poke fun at sometimes the way people act about cold exposure, there is some science and data to it. And while I'm not going to talk today about any of the other benefits outside of my niche and realm of this video and topic today, you know, that might be something of interest to you or you might find benefit in it and you're an adult and you can do whatever you want. I'm not like saying that you're a bad person, but I think it's important to talk about this in context of exercise, our gains, our training, because it's really important, especially for those of you who do have fitness performance and goals. And so there's two different ways of thinking about the responses of cold exposure, especially for today's podcast and that I want you to think about um, in regards to how we're responding to it. And that is short-term responses and long-term adaptation, right? And one of the biggest things that we want to make sure of when we're having discussions about physiological responses to training or anything when it comes to our health and fitness is do short-term responses translate to long-term outcomes and or do our mechanistic, mechanistic hypotheses translate to actual physiological outcomes and studies and data and what we're looking at. And so we have these kind of two buckets of what we're looking at here when it comes to this. And this is what we really want to think about. And I think a lot a lot of times when we think about cold exposure and response, um, we often hear about the positive short-term things, but we forget about how that impacts long-term things, especially in regards to some of our exercise training responses. So before we dive into all the nitty-gritty details in science um, here today, the first thing I want to identify or define more clearly is what I'm talking about when I mean cold exposure, because there's a ton of different protocols out there. And what I'm referring to specifically today is what is most common in the literature that I'm covering and discussing today in response to exercise training and adaption. And generally on average, this is about five to 20 minutes of cold water submersion. So it's either your lower half of your body or your whole body is submerged in cold water. Um, that is about eight to 15 degrees Celsius. Now I should have looked up before the podcast what that is in Fahrenheit, but it's probably, I want to say in the 40-ish degree range. Uh, don't judge me if that's really off, maybe 40 or so. So pretty cold water, but not super cold water. So it's kind of that like, I mean, it's still pretty cold, but you know what I'm saying? It's not like right below at the edge of freezing. So um, you have, that is kind of like the common 
classification of what we're talking about here in these studies today, it does vary where some protocols do use more cold water, some use shorter versus longer exposure. And it really just comes down to the fact that just like all studies and science, the protocols that are being used are not identical. So these papers that I'm covering today um, that I'm using to you know drive the notes that I have right here for their podcast that I made when talking about this are coming from meta-analyses and review papers, which are essentially scientific papers that consolidate all of that data and look at average effect size of all of these studies. But of of course, individual studies with different protocols, you know, might be a little bit different from each other, but that's about the average of what we're talking about here. And I know that difference differs than a lot of what a lot of people doing where they're doing like, you know, cold water baths for I think it's like four minutes at a time, 11 minutes a week, whatever it is for the benefits that they're looking at. Um, but this is just what we're seeing in these studies here, at least when we're talking about muscle recovery and or post-exercise recovery. So this is what we're typically seeing. So when we think about these things, again, we have our two buckets of acute versus long-term. And when we think about the acute bucket, we are thinking about the acute short-term response to exercise training. And that's like kind of the hours in like first day or so following exercise training. That's what we mean by acute. So you go to the gym, you do a bunch of, you know, break down a bunch of muscle tissue lifting, or you do a really hard, you know, endurance type activity and your body needs to repair and replenish in order to recover from that exercise. That is the acute response. And so the acute response to exercise training is what we think of as being inflammatory and or having a higher immune response. And this is thought to be a bad thing, and a lot of people use cold exposure to combat this, but it's not necessarily a positive thing, and we're gonna talk about this why in a second, but it does have this type of effect. So when you have muscle protein breakdown, or you know you have muscle damage from either eccentric exercise, resistance training, hard bouts of endurance training, whatever it is that you're doing that's breaking down muscle tissue, in order for it to recover, and repair itself, you know, following that bout of exercise training, you're having an immune response and an inflammatory response that localizes at the site of that muscle tissue. So what happens is you have this increased flux of um, immune cells as well as these inflammatory markers that are basically drawing blood and like liquid and tissue uh, or liquid to that tissue so it can go and clean out the debris that is broken down, the cellular debris, the breakdown from that tissue, kind of go and clean up the site of it while also coming in to help bring nutrients, amino acids, things like that to the site to help repair and replenish and recover from that damage that's occurring at the muscle cell site. And so that increase of fluid volume is kind of when you see that swollen look if you've ever had a lot of muscle sore um, and or that perception that you feel that is soreness is actually all of that swelling and or the localization of all of that, those immune cells and increased inflammation at that muscle cell site kind of pressing on your nerve ending. So soreness, you're not really actually feeling the soreness of your muscles. You're feeling that nerve sensation of all of that being localized there. And that's why it peaks about, uh, two to three days after exercise training because that's kind of when that immune and inflammatory response peaks and then it kind of dissipates and goes away. And that's why you get that DOMS about two days delayed from your exercise training. And so when you have this in response to exercise, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It can be bad if you have too much of this response all of the time and you're not doing recoverable training and you do adapt to training over time. So this should be less than rather than you do something new for the first time ever, but it is not a bad thing. And it's actually required and necessary for muscle recovery. And so it's really, really important. So we tend to think of um, an immune response or an inflammatory response as being a bad or a negative thing. And it's not necessarily. So it's not the same as chronic inflammation or a chronic immune response 
months when you're like sick or you have metabolic disease. Those types of things are different when your body's under this chronic inflammatory stress state that is not good for health and, you know, your metabolic health outcomes or, you know, you in general. But when we're talking about that acute short term and even localized effect of this immune response and inflammatory response that is happening with exercise, it's actually a really important component of muscle recovery. And it's required for, you know, muscle recovery, muscle growth, and all of the positive benefits that we get from exercise. So we actually want that. We don't want to ruin that. And so that also, though, is what makes us sore and or can have more of a detrimental effect on our recovery, so to speak, if we have large, you know, a large response to our exercise training. And so when we think about cold exposure in the short term period, when we are looking at cold exposure in response to migrating or, you know, reducing muscle soreness and improving short-term recovery, it really does have a strong positive effect. We do see that. So when we're looking at some of these meta-analyses and or um, review papers, when we're looking at muscle soreness, what we're seeing is that when we consolidate all this data, when you do do cold exposure following exercise versus like, you know, passive activity where you're just sitting or stopping, we are seeing an average positive effect of recovery and or muscle soreness, meaning you feel less sore or you have a high in recovery following cold water immersion. So these studies are, are pretty similar to that of what I've described earlier, where they are having cold water immersion. It's being done within an hour of training. So following training pretty much immediately after. Um, and it's a immersion on that single day just of the exercise training. And it's just following a single training session. And these are about 10 to 15, about 11 to 15 minutes um, and 11 to 15 degrees Celsius for these soreness study meta-analyses um, that seem to have the most positive beneficial effect. Um, we're colder then that seems to be not as effective and or shorter immersions don't appear to be as effective when we're talking about muscle soreness. And similar effects occur with muscle recovery where we are having a positive effect of cold water immersion on that short-term muscle recovery. So um, that acute short-term type of activity. So you might want to be not sore for the next day of something or short-term you're having a positive benefit. And this has essentially been measured in papers by looking at uh, decreases or changes in two factors in your muscles. One is creatine kinase. Um, that is basically related to energy production and metabolism. This isn't necessarily the same as like what you take in when you take in creatine, but it's a byproduct of energy metabolism and or high levels of blood lactate following intense activity. Um, cold water immersion does appear to reduce both of those factors in response to exercise a single bout of exercise training, which is indicative of, you know, improved exercise recovery. So now blood lactate is cleared immediately following exercise. It doesn't linger around, but this doesn't seem to improve the response, the effect of that having high levels of blood lactate in response to exercise because it's there and accumulates with more high intensity exercise. Same with creatine kinase. So that cold water immersion is showing to reduce those as well, which is likely related also to some of those decrements in muscle soreness. It's important to note that this is a better and more positive effect than passive doing nothing after exercise training, but just because it is a positive and more better effect than nothing after exercise training doesn't mean doing nothing is necessarily bad when we talk about long-term benefits here in a second. And so the one last thing to note is that one of these studies did compare cold water immersion um, to post-exercise feeding on recovery, and there's only two studies, so there wasn't a crazy effect, but it one of them did seem to have a pretty significant effect on recovery. So don't negate also that while cold water immersion also may improve exercise recovery, things like passive cardio, um, 
food, nutrients, you know, things like that. Not just bluntly stopping your workout, but maybe walking around after doing some like cardio, eating enough protein and or calories after may also have a positive effect on your long-term recovery and or like recovering from single bouts of exercise without having to do cold exposure if you don't want to, or if you want to avoid some of the negative effects that we're going to talk about here in a second. So this is a really important thing to think about when we often find people who will say, well, my favorite athlete does a cold bath or my favorite, like my CrossFit athletes, when they're at the games, they're doing, they're doing cold water dunks between their wads, their Metcons, their training sessions or whatever it is like during games, during intense competitions. So like if it works for them, then obviously it makes sense. And so one, that's a logical fallacy to think that elite athletes doing something means that it's automatically inherently better and superior. Elite athletes do a lot of dumb things unless they have someone who knows better. You know, they're not experts in their strength, conditioning, nutrition, physiology. And sometimes they fall for stupid things just like we do. Um, but there's a specific reasons why you see elite athletes doing these things during intense competition phases and or competition season is because during that time, that acute recovery between a bout of like a game or a workout or a competition and then the short term like kind of have to turn back from that and be recovered and fresh again for another event or another game or another competition might be really short so in that short term it might be beneficial so that's why these studies are happening I know a lot of people are like you know, using it and thinking it's great for the recovery all the time. But we have to think about the context of when you might be using that and why they're using it. And it is a smart thing in that context versus maybe long term. And so that is why. So maybe you are someone who's doing multiple events. Maybe you're doing like a CrossFit competition or you're doing, you know, races on back to back days and you want to recover between them and you don't want to feel as, you know, broken down and or sore or, you know, worn down going from one event to the next, you might consider something like a cold water immersion bath that's like 11 to 15 minutes long, about 10 to 15 degrees Celsius as a way to help mitigate that and reduce that going into your next day or competition. Now, for the average lay person, unless you're experiencing like an about of extreme DOMS or extreme soreness, I'm probably not going to recommend this, especially if it's after a resistance training session. And we're going to talk about why here in a second. So that's kind of our summary on soreness and also post-exercise muscle recovery. So yes, it, there is truth to that. It does improve recovery. It does, you know, improve the inflammatory response and it does improve how you feel soreness-wise. But that is because cold water immersion following exercise training, one of the things that it is doing that at least we kind of understand at this point in time is it's blunting that immune response. It's blunting that inflammatory response. So you're not having that same response that you're having to exercise training, but since it's blunting that, it's also blunting potentially some of the adaptations that we're having to that especially resistance training so keep in mind there's a time and a place for it it's not always bad but we want to not you know mistake the short-term benefits that we get or we might feel good about and it or may make us feel good and think about our long-term gains right so we're working really hard in the gym or in our training we want to make sure that we're getting benefit from that so let's dive into some of the literature that is talking about the effects of um, exercise training and cold water immersion when it comes to aerobic and endurance training. And so I will give the disclaimer that of course there's going to be overlap between aerobic and endurance training where you have CrossFit or you have like concurrent or hybrid training or strength and conditioning. But when we think about just individual sessions of workouts, traditionally in the literature, we're going to see aerobic or cardio activity versus resistance training activity. And what's really cool here is that we really actually see some different responses to the endurance versus resistance training. And so this is important because it kind of can give us more insight of if 
we are going to use cold exposure in our in our day-to-day lives when it might be better to place this or when and how to utilize it. So um, when we think about this, we have the endurance training and then we have the resistance training. And so the detrimental effects that we are seeing in regards to cold water immersion on our training response is largely going to be in response to our resistance training. Specifically, hypertrophy has a little bit more of the evidence, more strength. Again, you do see decrements in strength and strength is related to hypertrophy at some point in time, but they don't seem to be as directly related as you know you might think they would be. And so of course the literature is mixed. Some studies show no effect and some studies show negative effects, but some of the really well done studies that are on, done on resistance training are showing some negative effects on cold water immersion in response to resistance training. Um, and a couple of these studies are like nine and 12 week long training interventions where people are undergoing strength training and then they are going um, into a cold water bath following that training. And or they're looking at the a single bout of exercise and then they're looking at the muscle men- metabolic response to that taking biopsies to see what mechanisms are driving these changes that we're seeing in response to training. So when individuals are undergoing longer term training studies where they're doing heavy resistance training and then they're following that by cold water immersion, what we do see is, you know, again... The literature is mixed. Some studies show there's no there's no difference whatsoever, but we are on average seeing a significant blunted response in muscle hypertrophy and or muscle strength, depending on the metric that we're looking at. The Messy Middle Podcast will be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Are you confused about what supplements you should actually be taking? In a world full of juice cleanses, detox teas, fancy promises, it can really be hard to trust anything. But high quality supplements, when dosed appropriately, can actually help support your fitness goals. And that's why I use Legion. I've been using Legion supplements since the beginning of this year. And after years of never really fully committing to one single brand due to lack of transparency in their labeling, unnecessary fluff, or just reporting things as blends and not knowing what's actually my product, I finally found a solid science-based product line that fits my supplementing needs. Legion's products are 100% naturally sweetened, and my favorite part, they are fully transparent in their labeling, and they use dosages that are actually backed with what the science says you need to be effective and support your fitness goals. And not the least amount you can get away with, and not just labeling as blends, but fully transparently telling you what's in your product and why they dosed it that way. And this is huge, because it lets you know exactly what you're taking and if it's actually going to be effective, and then you can know what's going into your body. My personal favorites are their cinnamon cereal whey. Yes, it tastes as good as it sounds. The mocha cappuccino plant protein. Pulse, their pre-workout, which comes in non-stimulant or caffeinated stimulant based. And Recharge, the recovery blend, which also gives me the creatine I need to move weights well in the gym. Legion offers 100% money back guaranteed if you're not happy with their products. And you can save 20% off your first order today with our code MESSYMIDDLE at checkout. That's M-E-S-S-Y. M-I-D-D-L-E at checkout to save 20% today. When we're looking at the the training and adaptation response to this. And so this is really important because when we're thinking about all the things that we're doing in the weight room and or gaining muscle or resistance training, we want to reap the benefits of that, especially when low muscle density is a really big risk factor in a lot of individuals. We don't want them to be blunting that response and or a lot of people don't want to blunt their gains, right? We don't want that to be happening. And so we are seeing uh, reductions in leg press strength, knee extension strength, isometric torque, and or muscle hypertrophy and muscle mass, especially Especially at the muscle cell level. So a lot of this is being seen in type 2 muscle fibers and or in the actual muscle cell size. 
uh, um, in biopsies. But it's important to note that when we look at this, we some of that doesn't necessarily always translate to the whole body level. So whole body lean mass might not be decreasing as much as it may seem in individual metrics, as well as strength is kind of mixed on what we are looking at specifically. But it does appear to have a negative effect on muscle hypertrophy and or that recovery process. So that's kind of the thought to it is that this I, cold water immersion falling resistance training is decreasing that, you know, recovery response that is blunting uh, amino acid synthesis and bringing that in to recover and regenerate new muscle tissue. It also might be blunting satellite cell proliferation. So it's a lot of words, but satellite cells are essentially, you can think of them as your muscle cell precursor cells. So they're kind of your malleable um, cells that can turn into muscle tissue. They're kind of, oh, what is the word I'm looking for? I'm sorry, there's a name of a cell that can turn into any cell. It's like embryonic, like stem cells. There's the stem cells basically of muscle cells. And so um, these satellite cells can proliferate into muscle cell tissue. And we're seeing a blunted satellite cell proliferation and or number of these cells being regenerated in response to resistance training when you use cold water immersion. And or we are seeing some of the physiological uh, pathways that signal muscle protein synthesis. And some of those main, like kind of like main signaling molecules that are on this pathway are being blunted by the cold water immersion so it's not resulting in the same signal or as strong of a signal that's resulting in muscle protein synthesis and what we're largely seeing is more of a detriment in type 2 muscle fiber which is your more strong powerful thick you can think of that as kind of your bulkier muscle fiber so to speak your lifting fibers your power fibers where type 1 muscle fibers are more of your endurance based fiber and so on average we are seeing this across the literature we're seeing that when you do a control group versus the cold water immersion group well you still will make gains they are blunted in less than that of those who aren't doing cold water immersion um, in response or following their resistance or exercise training. And so while the strength results are a little bit less mixed and may not affect strength as much, um, that might also be due to the fact that some of the adaptations to strength training are neuromuscular rather than just muscular in nature. So I think like obviously like some studies on more trained individuals who have a lot of that neuromuscular training down pat and we kind of, you know, isolate a resistance training protocol that negates that might tell us a little bit more of the story of the relationship of the muscle impairments with the strength impairments. But at this time, it's either it's negatively impaired or it is not impaired at all. Same with the muscle hypertrophy. There isn't a point of which it's benefiting muscle growth or strength. It's either having no effect at all or it's largely trending towards having a negative effect on these responses to hypertrophy training and potentially strength as well. And so that's kind of a bummer because it is really popular right now and a lot of people are eating it up and doing it all the time. And it's really important to make sure that if you are going to engage in cold water immersion or cold water, cold exposure and things like that, that you're doing so in a way that is going to maybe minimize the negative impact on your muscle response because almost everyone that I can think of off the top of my head can benefit from having a positive muscle response or gaining muscle, things like that. So we don't want to be ruining our gains and or negating the work that we're doing in the gym because like what, you know, we still want those benefits and muscle is really hard to come across. So you just want to be really careful. And I know that's a Debbie Downer for a lot of people and a lot of people get really defensive about that when you talk about cold water immersion. But the unfortunate truth is that at this point in time, obviously we always want more studies. The best bet is to avoid avoid it in relationship to your resistance training as best as possible. So 
I'm going to talk a little bit about endurance training here for a second, but then I'm going to give you some more practical takeaways of how we can maybe apply cold water immersions in our own life if we are going to choose to do so. So unlike resistance training, endurance training is actually really interesting where we actually see potentially a positive effect of cold water immersion or no effect at all negatively. So it might be something that we can handle cold water immersion in relationship to. So the reason that uh, cold water immersion has been studied in regards to endurance training is that earlier rat and mouse studies that looked at cold exposure in these these animals found that there's a potentially an increase in this uh, metabolic signaling molecule called PGC1 alpha. And this is like the master regulator of muscle of mitochondrial biogenesis, fat oxidation and or these pathways that are related to, you know, increased fat oxidation, muscle oxidative capacity, things like that in the muscle cell. And so there was a few follow-up studies that were looking at the response of endurance training in cold, which does appear to kind of increase these things as well, as well as doing cold room recovery and or cold exposure in response to endurance exercise training. And again, results are mixed where some studies aren't finding anything in response to these, but we might be seeing some improvements in things like mitochondrial biogenesis, which is a big long word of saying that the mitochondria that are located in your muscles that are responsive for oxidative metabolism, fat oxidation, and or aerobic endurance performance are improving their quality and or quantity in your muscle cells. And we're also seeing things like potentially having improvements on your micro and vascular function. And so these things are important for health and performance, you know, being able to deliver blood and oxygen and then use that is really a strong predictor of like, you know, aerobic exercise performance. And so when we're looking at long-term training adaptation to this, we're seeing either no improvements in aerobic training performance, and that maybe these molecular changes that we're seeing in improvements in this might not you know show up at the large scale or we are seeing things in improved maximal ox- maximal oxygen uptake or like vo2 max um peak power output on like a cycling aerobic type training and or time trial performance so someone's you know cycling faster than if they had been in cold water immersion therapy so we do have some studies that show that in response to endurance exercise and activity However, it is mixed, and so it's maybe no benefit at all or maybe a little bit of benefit. And so um, a side note here that isn't related to this podcast but is of an interesting note is there is some literature of people investigating cold water immersion and its response to metabolic health. And I would assume that the reason that we are seeing either positive benefit and or potentially think there might be a positive benefit, like the hypothesis of that, is related to these pathways because they're really important for metabolic health. And so with this all being said, there's a few caveats I want to add here. One is that what they found is that some of these benefits that they might have seen with endurance or aerobic training in response to endurance exercise protocols are not really seen with the higher intensity stuff. So they think that there might be a ceiling effect where that benefit of high intensity training really kind of just gets blunted at its top. Like there's no more room or benefit to gain because high intensity interval training is a very strong, powerful and potent signal to signal to our uh, cells to kind of trigger those same signaling molecules, PGC1-alpha, and all of the downstream effects that relate to fat oxidation, maximal oxygen uptake, and or, you know, putting stress in our vascular systems. There's a lot of positive health benefits that come from that as well. And so they think that there might be a ceiling effect. So if there is a benefit of cold water immersion in response to aerobic training, we might want to do it alongside lower to moderate intensity activities where we have still more of a ceiling of benefit to gain, where that high intensity stuff might be a little bit more you just kind of might not be able to squeeze any more juice, so to speak, from that. And so with that being said, I think, again, we need to zoom out and not miss the forest for the trees. So when we're thinking about this, people are going to think, oh, my God, yes, like I can do cold water exposure. It's going to give me the same benefits as cardio training. Yes, like, like this and that. 
we really need to remember that cardiovascular training itself brings us all of these benefits in a way that is clinically and physiologically meaningful and shows up at a whole body level. So while these might be small, slight added benefits, if there's any at all, if you are trying to improve mitochondrial biogenesis, mitochondrial content, oxidative uptake, oxygen capacity, power output, peak power output during performance, time trial performance, you know, fat oxidation capacity, all of these things that we talk about here, your vascular health, capillarization of the cells, microvascular function, all of these things that are really great and we do care about improving, whether it's for aerobic performance or just metabolic health, exercise specifically in this regards, our aerobic and cardiovascular training improve all of those things significantly. So don't miss the forest for the trees. So there might be some slight added benefit here, potentially whether, you know, it might be related to long-term metabolic health outcomes and or aerobic training performance. But like at the end of the day, there's enough of mix into it for that we can probably say that it's going to be a small benefit, if any, as of now. Um, but you, you know, you still need to be training. You still need to be doing the work. You still need to do that. And even without the cold water immersion, you're going to have improvements in these factors from good, solid aerobic and exercise training. Like don't miss the forest for the trees here and take the wrong take home message. It's that there might be benefit, but the, the biggest takeaway from all this in regards to aerobic training is not that it has a positive benefit or no benefit at all, that it doesn't appear to have a negative benefit. So it doesn't appear to be detrimental to the recovery process or the long-term adaptations of aerobic training. And so this is important because if you're going to use it, this might be a time to include this in your training protocols. And so this is where we can kind of give you some more takeaways of what this means to you. So another meta-analysis and review that I had in like my kind of lit review that I did for this this podcast here today, when uh, reviewing all of this for here, it was looking at people who do strength and condition concurrently, like like we're thinking like, you know, athletes who are doing mixed modality training um, within their same training program. So they're doing like skill work and conditioning and their resistance training. And they found overall that these athletes who engage in cold water immersion um, f- alongside their training, they don't have negative impacts on strength or hypertrophy. And there's only f- a four studies here and they're mostly like MMA type uh, fighters, things like that, more of that mixed martial arts type modes of sports. Um, But the important takeaway there that I think is important to this whole takeaway message is that they didn't find those negative effects of resistance training and or their hypertrophy, but they were typically pretty much only doing cold water immersion and following either skill training or their cardiovascular training. So that might be one of the reasons why we didn't see a negative effect in that group of studies is because it was spaced away from the resistance training and it was placed after skill work or aerobic training. So all of this to say, the main takeaways that I want you to come home from this podcast is that one, Alyssa is going to make fun of people who could do cold exposure because they act silly. You're a bunch of silly gooses. That's what you are. But other than that, if you enjoy it, it's fine. If you want to do it, I poke fun. You're an adult, you're human, do whatever you want. Um, But if you are going to do it, whether it's, you know, you feel like it benefits your mental health or you want to do something hard or you want to challenge or, you know, you just you want to jump on the bandwagon and do the trend. You need to be very selective about when you're incorporating it, and how you're incorporating it. And now, again, I know a lot of people are doing cold showers versus cold plunges versus shorter versus longer duration. And I can't 
you know, speak to every single individual protocol that you might be following. But the best advice that I can give you based off the literature we have is that one, it, it probably is going to have a negative detrimental effect on muscle hypertrophy and potentially strength. So I really would encourage you if you are in a very strength focused, like if you're in a bulking phase and an off season lifting phase, if you're, you know, trying to gain muscle, all those things to maybe reduce or remove the cold exposure during that period of time, really let your body recover from those things. Make sure you are eating enough nutrients, you know, manage your volume so you're not having this terrible immune response or inflammatory response. Like, you know, your, your volume should be recoverable in whatever you're doing. But if you have muscle strength and hypertrophy goals, you really want to make sure that you're, you're spacing that out um, or you're removing it during those times where that's more of a serious focus or goal for you. And then otherwise, during other periods of time, like if you have intense periods of competition or racing or events that you're doing, you might use it as a tool strategically following those so you can have enhanced recovery because you don't care about long-term effects. Um, I'm thinking about people who are doing their recreational, you know, CrossFit competitions or having like back-to-back ultras or those race days that are back-to-back-to-back or whatever it is. But generally, you're probably not going to utilize that as much um, unless it is something where like you do feel pretty wrecked after something and you don't really care about gaining benefit from it. Like I could see me using this after like a a big long ultra where I'm not worried about me getting benefit from that training. I'm worried about just like, you know, recovering from the event altogether. So um, my last little piece of advice is that if you are going to use it in a mixed training program where you are, you know, resistance training and you do care about your muscle hypertrophy, but you do want to engage in cold water immersion to some degree, I would recommend doing it either following aerobic training sessions on rest days, on days that you do your cardio, days that you maybe only do skill work that isn't like specifically related to, you know, resistance training to gain muscle or gain strength and spacing that out across the week and trying to keep it as far away as you can from your specific specific resistance training sessions. So it's not that you have to stop it all together, but we really want to be selective and intentional and careful about how we are using these things. And again, you are adults who are free to do whatever you like. If you want to take a cold water, water dunk every single day, even with your resistance training and your lifting and all that you're doing, that's fine. And it, it doesn't appear to reduce your muscles. So it doesn't look like it's like breaking down muscle or it's going to cause you to lose it, but it might just slow or blunt or minimize the same gains that you would have gotten from the same training, um, session or volumes or phase or whatever it is than you would have if you weren't doing it whatsoever. So keeping that in mind, that is the best way. So to summarize this all up today for you and a few key takeaway points is that one, cold water immersion of about 10 to 15 minutes, uh, five to, you know, five, 10, 15 minutes, um, upwards of about 10 to 15 degrees Celsius does improve post exercise muscle soreness and recovery metrics. But the reason that it does that is because it blunts some of the responses that we have that elicit long-term adaptations. So we want to be careful about when we use that and make sure we're using it strategically. Cold water immersion doesn't appear to negatively impact aerobic training responses if it may have some positive benefit, but if anything right now it's small and not going to be as meaningful and significant as just doing good training programs, there might be a slight edge or benefit um, for those who are really dialed in. It might be something worth considering if they really you know, feel like that might give them the extra 1%, but otherwise it doesn't seem to negatively impact that, so it might not be hurtful to do it following that type of training or on the same days as that type of training. When we're talking about our hypertrophy, strength, and resistance training 
um, base goals. We really want to try to either reduce, remove, or avoid doing cold water immersion directly after or like on the same day as these training sessions and or maybe even the day after, just depending, because there is a few days after, you know, your training that you have this response. We kind of want to reduce it and or keep it as far away as possible from these training sessions so it's not impairing the progress that we're trying to make there in the gym. As always, when it comes to recovery and or longer adaptations and progress, none of that matters if we're not maintaining our rocks, you know, your, your big rocks, the basics, right? So we think of like cold water exposure and all of this is like really hot topic nowadays, but it, it, it doesn't replace what a good night's sleep does, what adequate protein intake and carbohydrates to fuel and sustain recovery for the activity that you're doing does, as well as just, you know, good training in general, managing that volume on a recovery standpoint, but also being aerobically trained if you are engaging in resistance training and how that allows you to honestly recover better in your workouts and improves a lot of these metrics that we're seeing that we do get benefits from cold water immersion. So I, you know, I joke that I'm like, why are people doing cold water exposure when you could just do cardio, right? But there is some merit to that and there is a lot of benefits to it. So it does tie back into my bias of everybody should do more cardio, but that's kind of my takeaway there is like, don't forget your basics, right? If there are some benefits or the utility of it in certain situations, that's totally fine if you want to use it. But if you're going to do it, use it strategically and intelligently. And if you hate doing cold water immersion, you think you're getting some magical benefit from it in your training that we discussed today that you're not, then you don't need to do it, right? But if you do love it, there's ways that we can include it in our training programs in a more intelligent and strategic way. So it's not impairing our progress. So I hope hope this was all beneficial to you all. I hope you learned something. I hope you feel like maybe there's more clarity on this. And I hope you feel like I debunk something with all making people feel bad about their life choices. I tried really hard on doing that today. So again, I personally do not engage in cold water exposure or immersion. For me, the benefits for what it means to do just don't make sense for me at this time. Um, but I have in the past as an athlete, I've done it. I did I did it, you know, during lacrosse season in college and or I've done it after, you know, really hard training things where I just wanted to recover and I wasn't worried about the long-term adaptation. Like I've done the whole ice baths thing. And so, you know, I've been there, done that, got the trophy and I don't feel right now the benefits of it and or even some of the early stuff really you know is important for me at this time but it might be important for you or it might be something that makes you feel good or it might just be a way for you to do something hard and that's fine to do you know we all do I do plenty of other hard things in my day-to-day life that might be your thing but if we're going to use it we want to make sure it makes sense with our training our goals and our physiology so I hope you gained something from this podcast here today if you learned something new I'd love to hear it in the comments on YouTube if you're watching this over on the tube otherwise you know if you share this podcast tag me let me know if you gain something from it let me you know tag me on Instagram slide me a DM. Let me know if this helped you a little bit and or added some clarity to a very messy and complex situation. And so don't let the trends kill your gains, my friends, and tell them Docless sent you. All right. I will catch you all on the next episode of the Messy Middle Podcast or my next YouTube video. Again, don't forget to hit subscribe and we'll catch you on the next episode. Have a great day, guys.